Meditations on the Psalms. Psalm chapter 119. This psalm rehearses the various virtues of the Word of God, and the saints' delight and profit therein. Any believer may generally use it as the breathing of his own soul, but in its full prophetic character. It would seem that it will be the language of the true Israel on their return to God and his long-neglected oracles. When the Lord came, he found the Jews neglectful and ignorant of the Scripture. Matthew chapter 15 verse 6, Matthew chapter 22 verse 29, John chapter 5, verses 38, and 47, but the remnant are directed to them. Isaiah chapter 8 verse 20, Malachi chapter 4 verse 4, and this psalm shows their obedience to that direction, and the exercise of their heart in the divine writings. They have forsaken their own traditions and are hearing, Moses and the prophets. Luke chapter 16, verses 29 to 31. Ezra, while captive in Babylon, did, as the remnant will do, diligently occupy himself in the word of God. Ezra chapter 7 verse 6, the Berean Jews present a sample of them, likewise, in this character. Acts chapter 17 verse 11, and the history of Josiah does the same. He reigned after judgment had been pronounced against Jerusalem. His repentance could not change that. Judgment was still to come, but Josiah shall, like God's remnant, be spared. For he had set his heart to serve the Lord when all was hastening to ruin. But we have in the history this further fact, that in the midst of his doings and services, the book of the law is found. And that at once operates to give a new tone to all his ways. He begins with himself. He takes the place of a convicted and humbled one. In that spirit he sets himself to work again, and makes the oracles of God the rule of all his service. 2 Kings 22, and 23, 2 Chronicles 34, and 35. Josiah, in this way, with zeal returned to the word of God which had been so entirely lost to the nation through their idle vanities. And so, in the latter day, the repentant remnant will turn with listening and obedient hearts to the word of God, and treat it with special honor and regard. Conscious as they will be of having so long and grievously neglected it. For such is the fruit which repentance would duly and naturally yield. It will be restitution, restoring, like Zacchaeus, fourfold to that which they had wronged. But we cannot pass by this valuable and deeply devotional psalm without a little further pause. From the beginning of his ways, we see God's value for his written word. He has made a hedge about it, that no rude hand can guiltlessly touch it, either to add thereto, or take therefrom. And he has bound it round the heart, before the eyes, and on the hands of his people. The gates of the field, the doors of the house, the morning and the evening family, the walk abroad and the rest within, all was to witness it. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and 11, it was to mingle itself with all the personal and social life of his people, and shed its light on every path, however ordinary, of the daily journey. Is it not blessed to see the Lord thus esteeming his own revelation and thus commending it to our esteem? And is it now to be erased from our gates and doors and from the palms of our hands? The malice of Satan has raged no less against the book than the truth contained in it. The divine life of the saint heeds it, and cannot spare any of it. It is the food of the life of faith and hope. It bears the soul to God, and keeps it near him and with him, through the Spirit. The more the virtues and consolations of the new life are prized, so will the word be. And the believer pleads the word or scripture as the answer to that great question, where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Job chapter 28 verse 12, for he who alone knows the path of wisdom has made scripture its dwelling place. And with him, Jeremiah chapter 23 verse 28, the saint says of all in comparison, what is the chaff to the wheat?
may we hold it fast, but use it skillfully in the light of the Holy Ghost in us. For if there be the error of taking away this key of knowledge, Luke chapter 11, so is there the error of using it with an untaught, unstable hand. 2 Peter chapter 3, let us use it with the reverent and worshipping mind of the servant of God in this beautiful and most precious psalm. Let us know something of the burnings of his heart over the holy oracles, saying, I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for thy commandments. Psalm chapter 120 to 134. Are entitled, Songs of Degrees. It has been judged that they were put together, and received a common title, because they were used on some occasion, or concerned some action, in different stages of it. Such as the return of the captives from Babylon to Jerusalem. And from internal marks, this may well be so. Though indicted by the Spirit at different times, they were used, in all probability, in the order in which they here appear, by those returning captives, at different stages of their march homeward. As the various parts of Psalm chapter 68 were sung at different stations of that procession, which was bearing the ark to the city of David. For in these Psalms we shall find a growing sense of drawing nearer and nearer to home or the place of rest till at last that place is reached with praise. The coming forth from Babylon is anticipatively celebrated by prophets, in very lofty language. Isaiah chapter 48 verse 20, Isaiah chapter 52, verses 11 and 12, but deliverance from Babylon is spoken of, after the captivity had returned from thence in the days of Cyrus. Zechariah chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, so that the return at that time was, as a type, the pledge of Israel's return from another, that is, the present dispersion. And these psalms may answer to the utterances of the latter-day remnant, in passing through different stages of their trials, till brought into the rest of the kingdom. And they may suitably, in spirit, under certain conditions and experiences, be the utterance of any saint journeying on through the present world to the glory and presence of the Lord, a wayfaring man with Jesus. But I might further observe that they were probably sung by the returning captives, for with Zerubbabel two hundred singers are mentioned, and others also with Ezra, on their respective exodus from Babylon. See Ezra chapter 2, verses 64 and 65, Ezra chapter 7 verse 7, and after such a happy pattern we, in spirit, should sing, on the journey from Babylon to Jerusalem, from man's city to God's city. From this present evil world to the world to come. The one we have in our calling left, the other we are reaching. And the sense of this should put a song in our hearts. But we should still be only, on the way, unsatisfied with all short of Jerusalem. Wells of water and songs of gladness cannot, make the place of our journey our home. Gideon's chosen three hundred express this. Refreshment had no power to stop them on the road. They took it only for the sake of the journey, or as a journeying people ought to take it. They lapped the water as a travelling dog laps it, and did not kneel down to it, as though they were addicting themselves to it. And this is to be our mind. We are saved in hope, and even the Holy Ghost, the due spring of all consolations by the way, dwells in us to give strength and not check to the hope, Romans chapter 15 verse 13. For his presence is not our Jerusalem, his refreshings are not the supper of the Lamb. These psalms, in the Syriac, are called, songs of ascent from Babylon. This is according to the view we have taken of them here. And the same Hebrew word, it has been noticed, is used in reference to the journey or ascent of the captives from Babylon to Jerusalem, as is used to express the title of these psalms. Ezra chapter 7 verse 9, this is still more confirming. We would now mark each of them a little more particularly. Psalm chapter 120. This psalm duly suits an Israelite, still, though about to leave it, an unwilling captive in Babylon, or the abodes of wickedness.
The tongue, as here, is often noticed as the special offender against God and his people. Dog, Shimei, the false witnesses, Psalm chapter 12, Psalm chapter 52, thus offended. And so will the last enemy, Jude chapter 15, 16, according to his type, the little horn. Daniel chapter 7 verse 25. But coals of juniper and the arrows of the mighty one, Christ, Revelation chapter 19, await him, and the captive, though still in captivity, encourages the thought of this judgment upon his enemies. The citizen of Jerusalem may well utter the language of verses 6 and 7, while he is still in Babylon, for the one is God's city, the city of peace, the other, man's city. The city of confusion. Note. The Jews themselves understand this psalm as of the present captivity, of which that in Babylon was the sample or forerunner, as we know. Psalm chapter 121. Here, as though the decree for deliverance had just been published, the Israelite looks to God for the expected journey, and receives an answer of peace. And what different company is this for the poor Israel of God? In the tents of Kedar before, he had the false tongue against him, now, on the journey home, he looks for his watchful Lord. It was not to be the ancient glory of the manifested pillar guiding him, but still there was equal care and certainty from the eye of the wakeful shepherd of his people, wakeful though unseen. And the promises here made are still for the returning Israel in the latter day. See Isaiah chapter 49, verses 9 and 10. Verse 1 leads me to say this, that we should accustom our souls to look more at our resources than at our exigencies or difficulties. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. The Lord commands this, as, for instance, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 17 to 19. And what is Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 39, but the saint boasting in his resources in the face of all exigencies. We should make our hearts familiar with the promises and provisions of grace, so that when the occasion arises, we may enter the field of battle, like Jehoshaphat's army, with the sweet voice of these promises. Like instruments of music, in our ear, and be led onward in that joy to victory. For, joy is strength, as Nehemiah told the congregation. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10, verses 3 to 8 seem to be the language of a divine oracle delivered in answer to the faith expressed in verses 1 and 2. Psalm chapter 122. This song may have been inspired for the use of the worshippers going up to the feasts, but it suited the returning captives, who had, in the preceding psalm, been anticipating God's care of them on the journey. And now anticipate the end of that journey, and the regained house of the Lord. So, it may be the breathing of any renewed soul looking toward Jerusalem in the heavens. And surely it will soothe the afflicted remnant in latter-day troubles. The psalmist very beautifully celebrates the city of God as the city of peace, the place where God had recorded his name, the scene of joy and praise, the center of worship and of all holy solemnities. And also the seat of Jehovah's government. It is saluted as the witness of both the throne and the temple, where the glory and the sword dwelt together, where, as we speak, a theocracy is displayed. He invites others to seek her peace, and finally addresses her with warm assurances of love, both because of his brethren, and because of the Lord his God, for their stated concourse was there. And his house was there. Psalm chapter 123. The suppliant, identifying himself with others, looks, amid the reproaches of the adversaries, to the Lord in the heavens, taking to him the happy mind of a servant, who may expect care and protection from the hand of him whom he serves. For verse 2 expresses the attitude of confidence, not of subjection, though of course subjection is implied. And protection may be claimed where subjection is rendered. 
It suits the utterance of the captives, just as they were setting out on their long and dreary journey, those who were at ease, in Babylon at that moment reproaching and despising them. The proud ones there would just then have eyed him as a company of poor pilgrims, a fit mark for their derision. They endure the same scorn in the present dispersion among the heathen or Gentiles. Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 17, the finger is still pointed. The quickened soul, just beginning to turn towards Jesus, must count on such despite. For, in spirit, this psalm is the language of every saint who should understand what the reproach of the proud is, and suffer it gladly. Paul, thou art beside thyself, much learning doth make thee mad. Psalm chapter 124. This psalm is uttered under a fervent sense of some fresh distinguished mercy. It is adapted to the returning captives, as they were just got beyond the scorn of the Chaldean enemies, which, as we saw, they were feeling in the previous psalm but it shows that they had endured persecution as well as scorn, such persecution as would have destroyed them, but for the signal help of the Lord. In the day of the opposition of men, this utterance may, in like manner, suit any godly soul, and may, I doubt not, be especially used by the Israel of the last days who are to endure much of this opposition from the men of the earth, who have their portion in man's world. Psalm chapter 125. As the previous psalm was uttered under the sense of some recent deliverance, this is the expression of being consciously more distant from all that grieved or threatened. The Israel of God here enjoy calm after storm. The hearts of the returning captives are now at ease, and their rescue from Babylon has taught them, that though the Lord may for a season use the wicked as a rod of anger upon his people, he will not let that rod rest or abide on them. He will debate with his rod, give it a measured duration as well as a measured severity, graciously remembering that the spirit might fail under too long an oppression. See Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 7, indeed he will end his indignation on Israel by the destruction of that rod. Isaiah chapter 10, verses 5 to 25. Israel then desires further good from the Lord, and they assure themselves that he will deal righteously with hypocrites and evildoers. And so the nation will be cleared in the latter day of all that are not the refined Israel of God, the part brought through the fire. But on this psalm we may say how strikingly the thoughts of the Spirit in the prophets express the Lord's varied provision for his people. He will plant mountains round Zion when she wants security, he will spread a plain around her when she wants to bask in the light of glory. See verse 2, and Zechariah chapter 14 verse 10. Psalm chapter 126. The ransomed of the Lord, now fully on their way, as we have seen, call to mind their joy when the decree of Cyrus was published. And also the kindly words of some neighbours of theirs on that occasion. For in the crowd around the cross, while there were those who cried, Crucify him, crucify him, there were also the weeping daughters of Jerusalem. Such too have been commonly seen at the martyrdom of the saints. And such appear here at the return of Israel from Babylon. Some despised Psalm chapter 123 verses 3 AD N 4, while others congratulated them, Psalm chapter 126 verse 2. The captives on their return, and that very naturally, call to mind their prayer, verse 4, and are able, from the whole history, to draw the moral, verses 5 and 6, a moral, too. That marks the history of Christ himself and all his people. He afterwards sowed in tears at Jerusalem, Luke chapter 19 verse 41, but by and by he will there reap in joy. Isaiah chapter 65 verses 18 and 19, how little do believers realize the joy of deliverance as expressed in this beautiful psalm. The captives, on the decree of Cyrus, were like men that dreamed. 
it was as though some brave fiction had filled their hearts, so wrapped were they in the joy of that moment. Oh, that we knew this when we think of salvation and of Jesus. The eunuch went on his way rejoicing, and the joy seems to have made him indifferent to the strange departure of his dear companion. How should our hearts covet this satiating delight in him? Note. We cannot fail to have noticed that Cyrus, the conqueror of Babylon and the deliverer of Israel, is a type of Christ, and so treated by Isaiah. See Isaiah chapter 44, Isaiah chapter 45, he and his conquests were named and described by that prophet nearly 200 years before he was born. Psalm chapter 127. This psalm is also suited to the returning captives, who must on their journey have had the house and the city in their prospect, and the joys of homes and households again before them. When their fruitfulness and prosperity in their own land would give a triumphant answer to many a scornful word of their haughty adversaries. And so it will be with the remnant in the coming days when, though in trials, they will have expectations given them from the God of hope. And this psalm is a devout confession that these expected blessings, yea, that all strength and blessing come from God alone, and that without him human toil is vanity. See Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6. But often, how often, is there exercise of spirit where all should be stillness, verse 2. Stand still and see the salvation of God. It is unbelief which raises all this. As with Jacob, he was praying when he should have been sleeping in the promise. Genesis chapter 22, he fears and calculates and settles all according to man's best advice, when as the heir of the blessing and the possessor of the birthright, he should have trusted and rested. So was it not, however, with Peter. In the very prison, between two soldiers, and bound with two chains, he sleeps, and sleeps so soundly in the promise and sufficiency of God. That his deliverer has to smite him on the side to raise him up. Acts 12, and how did the true, beloved blessed one, sleep, when winds and waves were around him? Mark 4, Psalm chapter 128. Thoughts arising from the same expectations are continued. The happiness of a citizen of Zion, in his temporal prosperity, in his family enjoyments, and in the peace and honor of his country, is rehearsed. It may have been, as well as the previous psalm, the language of Solomon, for in his days citizens of Zion were thus manifested in their prosperity. But also, like the previous one, it well suits the returning captives, for they return, of course, full of visions of all such happiness. And it will be the joyous expectation of God's Israel in future days. Patriarchal family happiness is here expected, for that will be revived in the kingdom on earth, verse 6, and Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. Human delights in family order and general earthly blessing will be the portion of Israel in the days of the kingdom. As of old, in days which were typical of the kingdom, we read that, Judah and Israel were many, as the sand which is by the sea in multitude, eating and drinking and making merry. 1 Kings chapter 4 verse 20. Psalm chapter 129. Here the same company have a remembrance, as in the two preceding psalms they had a prospect, in their minds. They look back here, as there they had been looking forward. There it was their expected blessing in Jerusalem that filled them, here their recollected griefs in Babylon, yea, the griefs of their nation from its infancy. All this is varied and natural exercise of heart for a people on their way, as our souls have such also in journeying across this world of confusion home to our God and the rest that remaineth. The ransomed of the Lord rehearse their wrongs at the hand of their enemies, and the Lord's deliverance of them, and they look for righteous judgment upon the haters of Zion all of which will suit another generation of Israel in a like condition. And again they publish that the Lord himself was everything to them. 
they contrast also the faded withered state of the ungodly with their own flourishing estate just set forth in the previous psalms. See also Psalm chapter 1, Jeremiah 17, the quick destruction of the enemy and the wicked in the latter day, even in the very moment of their fullest pride, may also be intimated. For this will be the fate, it would appear from the word of God, both of Babylon and the beast. Daniel chapter 11 verse 45, Revelation chapter 18 verse 17. Psalm chapter 130. This psalm expresses the joy and confidence that spring from the simple sense of God's forgiving love, for that unaided and alone has power to turn the convicted sinner into an accepted worshipper, and an expectant of glory. Romans chapter 5 verses 1 and 2, it is the gospel that is here learnt and enjoyed by the soul. The poor soul had been crying out from its own depths, but apprehending God's forgiving love, it was at once made to sing of his heights and to wait for himself. It is a beautiful abridgment of Romans chapter 7 and 8, perfect, though so short. For here, as there, the soul is first heard as in the sorrows of conviction, then, on the firm ground of confidence, and then, in the bright elevations of hope. The longings and expectings of an heir of God. And a gospel this is, suited to be the utterance of returning captives, of any soul consciously on its way to God, and so, too, of the awakened and exercised Israel of the latter day. And as in the three preceding psalms we listen to the returning captives, both remembering Babylon now behind them, and anticipating Jerusalem now before them, here in this psalm they have remembrances and anticipations also. But of a deeper character, personal and spiritual. The consciously accepted sinner may boldly and happily tell his fellow sinners to look with him to Jesus, as here the soul calls on Israel to hope in the Lord because of his mercy and salvation. Psalm chapter 131. The happy confidence of the preceding psalm is not to be condemned as presumption. Eliab may accuse David of naughtiness and pride of heart, but it is not so. Hope in the Lord may be bold, and such was David's then, and such is that of the soul in these psalms. And such is that of every poor sinner who receives the grace and salvation of the gospel. This psalm, therefore, strikingly and beautifully follows the preceding one. It was the feeling, possibly, of the really meek David, on turning away from the reproach of Eliab. 1 Samuel 17 verses 28 and 29, but it could have been afterwards happily used by ransomed Israel, who were then free and confident in the salvation of God. And this assured, hope in the Lord, is ever, when real and spiritual, combined with the quietness and subjection of a weaned child. This allusion to David leads me for a moment to look at him in 1 Samuel 16, and 17. We may call the time of those chapters the youth or springtime of David's soul. And how beautifully simple, and how full of real moral dignity it is. He was the neglected one of the family, but he was content to be so. He would readily tend the sheep in the field, while his more esteemed brothers remained at home to receive the guests, and do the honours of the house. On the arrival of the prophet Samuel he is called in. But as scorn had not dejected him, distinctions do not elate him. As soon as the occasion is over, he is back again among the flocks. He is then summoned to the court of the king to do a service which none but he could do. But again, when the service is done, he is in the wilderness with his few sheep, despised but contented. 1 Samuel 17:15. a third time he is called for. He has now to go to the camp, as before to the court. But after achieving the greatest feats, he is willing to be still unknown, and without thought of resentment tells who he was to those whose ignorance of him was itself a kind of slight or indignity. 1 Samuel 17 verses 55 and 58. What beauty, what true elevation of soul. And what was the secret of all this? 
he found his satisfaction in Christ. The sheepfold was as important to him as the court or the camp, because the Lord was with him. He did not live by excitement, nor pine under neglect. He let the world know that he was independent of what they could either give him or make him. Blessed attainment. It may remind us of those affectionate words from the only hymns, content with beholding his face, my all to his pleasure resigned, no changes of season or place could make any change in my mind. When blessed with a sense of his love, a palace a toy would appear, and prisons would palaces prove if Jesus would dwell with me there. Psalm chapter 132. This psalm is Solomon's pleading with the Lord to arise and possess himself of the house which he had builded, upon the ground of David's zeal and affliction. And of the Lord's own covenant and promises, 1 to 13. The Lord seems at once to answer this with still larger promises than he had made before, and with richer blessings than his servant had desired. 14 to 18. For this is his way, this is divine. Even the promise of his own lips, as well as the wish of his people's heart, is exceeded. And the promise which was conditional, verse 12, is now yea and amen in Christ Jesus, verses 17 and 18. I think I see a very right mind, if I may so speak, in Solomon here. For while he desires God's blessing on himself, the anointed one, he desires it in connection with God's presence, or with the ark's entrance into its rest. This is quite as it should be. We may seek happiness if we seek it in and with the Lord. The ark had been a stranger in the days of Saul. 1 Chronicles 13-3, David's earliest desire was to restore it, and this psalm shows that that desire consumed him. We can admit this, when we understand David as presented to us in 1 Chronicles. And this in David is pleaded here by Solomon. So, Jesus could say, the zeal of thine house has eaten me up. To restore to God a habitation among men, and to bring back man to God, was the spring of his energies. The secret of his many sorrows. The griefs and cross of Jesus have opened a way for the glory to return, or the long estranged presence of God to fill the earth again in its season. As the same blood has already rent the veil, and is preparing mansions in the heavenly house for us. The lamp, which is here promised to shine in the kingdom of the son of David, by and by, had been espied afar off by Abraham, Genesis chapter 15 verse 17. Who thus saw Christ's day, and, was glad. It has been the desire both of Christ and his people, all through the nighttime of this present world. Isaiah chapter 62 verse 1, the Lord himself, in answer to that desire, will light it up in due season. Psalm chapter 18 verse 28, and then it will shine in steady full brightness through the kingdom. Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1. So the horn, shall then, bud, as here also promised. The oak of Judah, the stem of Jesse, has long been a withered stump. But the substance has been in it, though it have cast its leaves, Isaiah chapter 6 verse 13, and in the latter day brought forth, like Aaron's rod, as from the presence of God, Numbers 17, it will revive, and bud, and be fruitful. The mercies of David are sure, in Jesus risen. Acts chapter 13 verse 34. All this we have in this magnificent psalm of Solomon. And being of such a character, it could very happily have been used by the captives, now drawing near to this house which Solomon had built for the Lord. And so it may be again taken up by the heart and lips of the people in the days of Israel's revival, when expectation counts on speedy fulfillment. Psalm chapter 133. The preceding psalm was an utterance of the captives, just approaching Jerusalem or the house of God. This comes in order, and suits them on their being about to enter that house. 
for it was the center of the tribes, the place of the common joy of Israel, where, accordingly, the precious ointment of brotherly unity, as here declared, was shed, so as to make the place good and pleasant and fruitful under the dew of the divine blessing. I can suppose that it was recalled to mind by some of the first gatherings of New Testament saints in Jerusalem in the day of Acts 2. It may also be the breathing of the saint in the joy of his heart on beholding the concord of brethren. And it may do for the Israel of God in the latter days, when the desire for peace and restoration shall be satisfied, for the coming days of the kingdom have been thus anticipated, in that day. Saith the Lord of hosts, shall ye call every man his neighbor under the vine and under the fig tree. Zechariah chapter 3 verse 10, home, when reached by the returning brethren, shall witness and secure the unity. Blessed prospect. It should arm us with a spirit of forbearance and long-suffering while on the road, for all will be right by and by. We are on our way to that which is perfect. Every Christian is treading the ascent of wisdom and goodness, and an era in his course shall arrive, when supernal beings, ancient proficients in virtue, shall count him their worthy companion, and delight in his converse. Psalm chapter 134. Having now entered the house, the worshippers fill it at once with the blessing of the Lord. It is in the spirit of Melchizedek, suited to their standing in, the hope of glory, for they bless the great God and bless others in his name, the name of the possessor of heaven and earth. As that king of Salem did. He had been dwelling alone in the high places of his glory, neither the ways of the world disturbing him, nor even the story of the people of God noticing him. Till the servant of God had ended his warfare. But then he appeared. That was the due moment for his shining forth, bringing his rewards with him, his refreshment and his blessing. And then those solitary abodes of glory, where he had been dwelling as in a temple and a palace, were disclosed, and their rich treasures produced. As here, the voice from the same sanctuary, the Zion of Melchizedek, greets the returned captives. This is a joyful end of their way across the desert. And, further, it is happy to observe that these two psalms, 133, and 134, give us two aspects of the house of God which the returned captives, as we have seen, have now reached, that is, the unity of the people of God, and the praise of the God of the people, the joy of the family, and the glory of their head. For the house of God ever in principle provides for and exhibits these things. It is the dwelling of love, and the court of praise. And let me add this, that divine joy in the Lord has wondrous moral power. As Nehemiah, in the day of revival, the day of the new moon, or of the feast of trumpets, the first day of the seventh month, said to the congregation of Israel. This day is holy unto the Lord, neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10. We have an instance of this in 1 Chronicles 12 verses 30 to 40. It was a bright and animated moment. David was to be made king, and, as we read, there was joy in Israel. Judah could not then have provoked Ephraim, nor could Ephraim then have envied Judah. The common joy had linked all hearts, and borne them away and made them its own creatures. One tribe was therefore the ready servant of the joy of another. No private feelings could be indulged, nor separate interests consulted. It was one of the days of heaven upon earth, Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 21, the congregation of Israel, felt the power of it, as Peter did of the holy mount. For how willing was he then, because of the gladness of his heart to be the servant of others. Master, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elias.